Welcome back, everybody, to our continuing coverage of the Halo 4 campaign. This time we are going to be looking at the third campaign mission, Forerunner. And with me today to help me cover the level is Cruel Legacy. I apologize for my horrible tactics. What, what horrible tactics? Uh, at, at, uh, I tend to play Halo with a sort of um, mindless suicidal aggression, which which leads to a lot of uh, reverting to checkpoints. So okay. if I give anybody some bad advice, uh, I'm just apologizing ahead of time now. You're going you're to revert back to a checkpoint? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a good known state where you don't work so well in real life. <laughs> <laughs> only if real life were like video games. Yeah, I only. think there's been plenty of machinimas about that too, or yeah. other <laughs> short films. Yeah. yeah, it's a hot topic. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to be talking about the third campaign mission, and this is the part where uh, we, right after we see our first Prometheans, uh, we, uh, in the previous cutscene from the last level from Requiem. Uh, we have Master Chief from Cortana coming up to this pedestal trying to figure out how to portal into the center or the core of Requiem, wherever this broadcast is coming from that's supposedly the Infinity. And uh, when they get there, they see Knights pop up. So that's our first glimpse into our Pr Prometheans. And then we run through the portal, and this is the beginning of the Forerunner mission. Yeah, this is um, when I think back on the Halo Four campaign, sort of overall. Th this mission is does stand out in my mind as as uh, uh, being a level that contains some some very very cool highlights from the campaign. There's definitely some moments and some sort of environments in this level that I that I really really loved. Um, I have a lot of problems with this level as well. This is where the campaign started to get shaky for me in in a lot of ways so we can i mean i'm sure i'll ramble on about that as we go through it a little bit but uh I think, yeah i think in particular i mean i had some problems with some of the encounter design but more than anything else this is where this is where the uh the story started to um started to become problematic for me uh especially as we get towards the end of the level so um there's a lot going on in this one for sure though it's an important mission Okay, when we get there, we'll feel yeah. free to jump right in and talk about it. Uh, this mission is the first time we actually get to fight Prometheans. So mm -hmm. this is kind of an introductory level to the new class of enemies. And we get to actually uh, encounter them pretty early on. So what's happening is we're in the core of Requiem. There's some kind of satellite in the middle that's being protected by these two shields. And Cortana deduces that the two shield emitters are the things that are causing the... Uh, interruption of infinity signal trying to get to the chief so of course their mission now is to go take out the shield generators so you sounds play familiar <laughs> exactly right uh plenty of times actually yeah really <laughs> it's, it's like a repeating theme here uh, yeah. But you plug Cortana into the pedestal. She conjures up one of the nice slip space portals and you go over to the left. You get the left one first uh, left being a relative term I guess in this case but yep. uh, you you walk around a little bit and it's not long before you run into your first set of crawlers and these of course are pretty easy because you can just headshot them with the pistol that you're given and your hunky door and all set to go um, you walk around a little bit and uh, about halfway through this first canyon part uh, after well uh, let me step back a second you have to activate a light bridge so a little bit after the light bridge you get jumped by a Promethean knight and this is the same kind of like quick action uh, sequence that we saw. What was it during the E three? E three? Yeah. Yeah. It was the E three animation. They they just pulled it out of 
this level and stuck it in yeah, it's the not other the level that, for the sake of the demo. Well, they also had the uh, cutscene part. Because uh, whenever, after they did the demo, they had the, the section of cutscenes that wasn't one of those cutscenes this part as well. I believe you're right. Uh, I'm drawing a bit of a blank now, but I think you're right there. Yeah. So that's where we... Yeah, they they basically did take that jump though and put it put it in that demo, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, basically. It's it's also it, it was um I mean, it's a cool moment. It's a cool introduction to to the Promethean Knights, although I I did I did find myself scratching my head a little bit because it was so similar to the introduction to the elites that we we'd had in the first mission, you know, with the the oh, elite yeah. tackling you and you punching him in the face and it was a little like uh, kind of using the same trick twice there, but it's a cool one, so I guess they get away with it. I'm still scratching my head, though, of since they went ahead and did that kind of quick action type thingy, there wasn't any quick time events, and it was just something that you just, it stopped you dead in your tracks and campaign, it happened, and then you were on your way again. It's like, Yeah, okay. it was sort of a one-time use thing, wasn't it? A yeah, weird. it's like, uh, I mean, I don't know if if putting the another, another quick time event in there would have been repetitive, or... If it was just they wanted to have that part of the Promethean introduction in there, I'm I'm not exactly sure what the purpose of having that in there was without having some kind of user interaction. I mean, they well they sort of dumped the whole quick time thing in general after the first mission because there were a couple of moments um, where you were doing some quick timey style action in in the first level there, uh, climbing the scaffolding and everything, and then and then that moment with the elite right at the top, and then. The, yeah, yeah, they seem to just move away from anything resembling that until, well, I guess there's the very end. But uh, yeah, they sort of went away from it through the rest of the game. I guess they figured. I wonder that, if that's kind of an indication of how they how their development cycle was because we have a cup. I think was it two at the last level. I know we have the one where you're throwing, you're punching the didact with the grenade. I know that's a quick time, and then. I don't know if you want to technically count this one, but you have the notification to activate or detonate the bomb. Yeah. I'd be really curious to know who the individual lead designers were on each mission to see if it's maybe there's just one designer who was more of a fan of quick time events than the others. You know, something as simple as that. I'm also wondering if it was something that they looked at doing early on. Maybe the first mission in the last mission were some of the earlier missions that they were doing and they know what they wanted to do with it and then they were developing in the middle and as they were play testing they were like okay this might not be something we want to do could be um it's and i'm not saying this is necessarily the case here but i know uh you know i've heard stories of in other games with other developers that quick time events can be sort of a way to maybe achieve something that they were originally trying to achieve some other way with you know real gameplay and it just you know didn't work for whatever reason and they're like crap we don't have time to build a whole new system here uh let's throw in a quick time event just to make it happen so that's always a possibility i'm always a little suspicious anytime i see a quick time event because especially in a game like halo which never never has them in any other times it's uh, you never know right right and and I almost kind of hesitate to call these quick time events too, because the window to press the button that you need to press is so wide yeah, yeah. that it wouldn't really even matter because you have at least a second for each quick time event. It's sort of like as long as the controller is in your hands, chances are you'll, you'll do it. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> so maybe it was something that they tried early on. And then as they were going through development, they're like, this is not such a great idea. I don't know. 
I just find be. it odd that there were that they were only in the first mission and the last mission. There weren't any quick time events that I can recall that were in the other missions, were there? Not that not that I can remember. No. So I, I don't exactly know what's going on there. Yeah. Uh anyhow, yep. moving on. Uh after you get the your encounter with the knight for the first time, uh you go around another corner and you see another one pop up and you have a bunch of different crawlers that are coming down. You get to fight those off and as you take those out, the Cinder Knight will come down and start to fight you as well. So if you're running on Legendary or any hard difficulty, it's going to be kind of tough. What you want to do is, if you're still holding on to human human weapons at that point, it's going to force you to basically pick up a Promethean weapon because there's no ammo around there for you, and it's going to take quite a bit of effort to take out those knights. Yeah, I'll I'll be honest. This is this is the first part in the Halo Four campaign where I really got um, genuinely frustrated. Uh, I was my first playthrough was on Legendary. That's how I played Reach for the first time, and so I, I, that's wow, how I played went, ODST. Wow, you went one for, step further than I did. I did Heroic. I went against I went against the recommendation. I believe Frankie said like start on normal to get used to it. I yeah, went on, I went. I did Heroic first, and I think I've beat it in six and a half or seven hours which is a it's a pretty typical halo run for me yeah i mean and that's that's a that's a quite a, a decent clip for um for heroic uh you know with legendary i was i mean the game was difficult but i wasn't having too hard a time with it i started to run into a lot of problems in this third level and i feel like they're problems that i didn't run into in previous Halo games so much. I felt like there were um, there's something that that happens a lot in the in many of the campaign levels, but particularly it happens a lot in this third mission and a bit in the second one as well, which is that uh, they have this tendency to, you know, Halo levels are always constructed with these sort of open arena type areas, and then these sort of smaller narrower hallways that connect them. Right, and so you move into an arena type area, and that's where the heavy fighting takes place. And then you'll move through some hallways, and maybe there'll be a couple of enemies in between larger zones. Um, but something that that Bungie was very conscious of, and and did a really good job of, particularly as the Halo, Halo series went on, is anytime you walked out into a new arena, you'd have. There'd be a little bit of a buffer zone that you'd have space to kind of establish your position. You'd have space to maneuver and choose what angle you were going to approach the area from. You'd have space to fall back to where, you know, maybe the enemies would be heavily concentrated in a certain area. And so you could sort of, you could move in, fight them a little bit, and then back off, back to cover again and replenish ammo and things like that. I know exactly the part you're talking about in Mission 2 as well. Yeah, and in Halo 4, exactly. Yeah, Halo, yep. that's, that's exactly the area I was thinking of. Halo 4, they have this habit of throwing you into an arena, and then the door locks behind you, and you're just stuck in the open with no particularly useful cover, no particularly useful area to replenish ammo and, and weapons. And you sort of have to get everything exactly right your first time through, or else you get halfway through the battle, and you're just you're trashed and there's nowhere to retreat to if your plan doesn't work you have nowhere to fall back to and this became a huge problem for me as as you're fighting these um 
uh, the Promethean Knights, particularly because the weapons they give you to fight the knights in the beginning are completely useless on the higher difficulties. I mean, if you're playing on normal, you'll be fine. It's okay. You're using mostly the, uh, what's it called? Is it the suppressor, the, the, the high rate of fire automatic forerunner weapon? Yes. Yeah. It, it, you have a lot of suppressor ammo and a bit of bolt shot ammo. Um, so I find the suppressor to be the more effective one. And it's it's quite effective on Legendary, too. It does take quite a bit uh, of effort, of course. It's Legendary. But I find the suppressor a lot more effective than the bolt shot, even the overpowered bolt shot uh, yeah. on the Knights. It's just So so do I. The, the danger is that it's, it's useless until you're at frighteningly close range. And by the time you're close enough for it to be effective, you've got to be perfect or else you're just going to get sliced in half. That's right? when I jump around. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta jump like a fool jump the whole up, time. Jump up, I get down. And uh, so I, 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 I definitely ran into some some frustrations as you start fighting the knights for the first time here. One of the things I find about the knights in the campaign, compared to the elites, is the, I well at least when I did my first run through, I found the elites a lot more challenging to fight, but I was still used to kind of uh, knowing how to take them out. Like overshot with the plasma, mm-hmm. uh, plasma pistol, and then headshots with them. But the knights, like their evasion strategy, their their AI movement is not as complex as the elites is, or it doesn't seem that way. Um, of course, you you do have it when they decide to charge you and do that phase sprint thing, yeah. and then you're screwed. Um, there's almost no way to avoid that every time. I mean, there there are some ways, but it's it's kind of difficult when you're on doing it on legendary. It depends on the terrain you're in as that well. That too, right? yeah. But yeah. one thing I found with the Knights is they're not that hard to take out from a skill perspective, but they're just hard to take out because they take so much damage. And when you pop their shields, you don't have a headshot on them until they decide to open up their mask. Yeah, they're they're real bullet sponges. And, um, you know, I mean, the, it, the Knights, it's... The Knights are just frustrating to fight. They're not hard to fight. They're just frustrating. Yeah, you know, I, you know, if I'm being 100% honest, I, I was, I, especially now with with a little bit of distance and perspective on it, I'm, I I think I'm I'm quite disappointed with how the knights turned out as far as being, you know, a, an enemy class that to, to dedicate a large amount of time to fighting. I think they're um, the Prometheans in general. I, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. I've got my I've got a couple problems with the way the Prometheans were sort of handled in this game, and it's very relevant to this mission because you spend the entire mission fighting them, right? But um, or a large duration of it, yeah. I I found that the there there's no single strategy that's really super effective at taking out the knights. Um, the way you know you mentioned the you know using the typical noob combo on the elites right like that's a tried and true strategy and it works on the elites but that same strategy can't be used on all the other covenant forces right you, you it'll work on the elites and and maybe a couple other enemies but fighting well, I mean, the, the, covenant, the grunts and the jackals you can still headshot. you can headshot them yeah and those are uh, the only other kind so that's fine well there's the... you know if you find if you find some hunters or sometimes the jackals oh, well, yeah sometimes the jackals depending on the situation maybe and depending on the player headshotting the jackals around their shields is not always easy so you might find yourself switching to to another weapon to deal with jackals or just the the nature of the covenant i find i find myself switching weapons switching approaches and switching tactics more often but once i got into a rhythm with the prometheans i found that the for, for me the light rifle was the single most effective weapon against 
all Promethean classes in all situations. Like, it's the best weapon for taking out the Watchers, it's the best weapon for taking out the um, the Crawlers, and it's the best weapon for taking out the Knights. And in all cases, it's the same strategy. You just headshot them till they die. And I, so I find it, it, it makes fighting the Prometheans really boring really quickly. You, you don't get the same diversity of combat. And um, so, so as much as that, there's there's a lot of theoretical potential coolness to them with the way they supposedly interact with each other. Fighting them just gets really monotonous, I find. And I also, you know, I was a little disappointed that you know if there is a, a, a combo strategy that's more effective than anything else uh, against the knights, it's it's the same noob combo that you're already using on the elites, you know, I mean, it's not as effective on them as it is on the elites, but it's the best sort of one-two punch you can use unless you have a super weapon, a power weapon. And yeah, well, even like when you're using the binary rifle, that takes two shots to take out a typical knight, and then on some of them, like the, like the knight commanders, it takes three. Yeah, and so in, in, in that time, you really could just as easily noob combo them. And I, I just I – wish, I wish that they tried something a little different with them. Like give us uh, – force us to use a completely new tactic on them. You know, maybe, maybe you could do something like uh, you, you know, f- unloading a bunch of their legs to slow them down makes them more vulnerable to moving up close and less likely to melee you or something. Like they could have done something to change up the pace and change up the rhythm but i end up fighting them pretty much the same way i fight elites they're just more bullet spongy and more annoying right so i found them to be i found them to be like you said more more frustrating than challenging in a fun way i find it interesting that you say you use the same strategies as the elites because my strategy when fighting the knights is pull out the suppressor getting close in just kind of outside that range where he won't really attack you too much like the, there is kind of a small range where it's like the knights deciding, okay, well, do I kind of step forward or do I shoot him? And that's kind yeah. of the range that you take advantage of, and that's kind of the range where the suppressor really comes in handy. And then after a while, I'll go up and punch him, knock out his shields, and then kind of back off a little bit and try maybe try to get around him and back smack him. But I sure, find the yeah. suppressor to actually be a more effective weapon against the knights. I get. I think. I think where I run into trouble with it is I. I like using a suppressor if I'm dealing with one knight, but if there's more than one knight in the area, which there usually is, um, I just I my tactic is to stay the fuck away from them, <laughs> like just stay <laughs> as far away as possible. Which is why I think I that's why I spent you know so much of the campaign using what whether it, either a DMR or a carbine or a light rifle, like which whichever whichever of those three was was handy. I just camp back and use up all my ammo, just you know. On on unloading on these bullet sponges, it just so. seems to me when I'm using the light rifle or the DMR or the BR, it just it doesn't seem like it's knocking out their shields that quickly. It seems it's like not. <laughs> it seems like I'm going through a full clip before I'm even getting remotely close to popping them. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> Hence the uh, monotony. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the the other thing that I find annoying about that particular strategy, which which I I tend to use that strategy because I find it there's the least chance of dying that way. Um, but uh, I mean, your method with the suppressor will certainly be better for downing their shields more quickly. Um, I guess, I guess I tend to, to play it a little safer in that regard. I just try to keep my distance from them. 
but the thing that that I think is a really annoying decision with with them from a design point of view is the fact that that teleport move that they like to use so often. Oh my goodness! It it takes it takes just like like the gap between when they're invulnerable and when they're vulnerable again is just long enough for their shields to recharge. Yeah. So you can unload an entire clip, finally pop their shields, and then they decide to teleport, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's, and their there's shields no, are back. There's no way you can hit them to interrupt the teleport. There's no way you can trick them and prevent them from teleporting. There's there's just nothing you can do. It would be one thing if there was some kind of some kind of strategy. I mean, when, when an elite evades you can still hit them it makes it harder to hit them but it's it doesn't feel like such a cheap shot you know right so that's uh, that's one of those things that you, you just have to sort of grit your teeth and hope that there's more spare ammo nearby because it's gonna happen and there's no way that i've discovered to truly avoid it or counter it it's just when it happens you know well, just, like- just be ready to nail them the moment they're they're solid again and hope that their shield hasn't completely recharged yeah at that point i'm trying to figure out okay i know what the re- direction they decided to teleport in i know that line's going to be straight where how far is that line going to be cuz yeah. you can you can predict like you can tell from the direction that it get, they get zapped into the teleport where they're going to end up is just a matter of okay, am I in the position where I can actually see where he's going to spawn and I can zap him so his shields don't come back, or yeah. am I screwed and did I just waste two rounds of light rifle and now I'm just stuck with uh, half a round of needlers and a couple of scattered weapons like a storm rifle? Yeah, <laughs> so that's all too often the case. Yeah, especially on legendary. Because it then gets down to a part where it's like, okay, now I'm running out of weapons. Oh, you were, decided to respawn that weapon that just pre-spawns at the map. Okay, now you know that I'm sucking because you have to respawn the weapon in there just so I can take out this enemy. Yeah. <laughs> that's always, I mean, that's sort of, sort of a bittersweet moment. On the one hand, you're like, thank God, a weapon. And then you're like, hey, the, the, the game is basically telling me I suck at this point. <laughs> no, it's not that I suck. It's that you keep on making me suck. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I can. De- I definitely agree with that. There's some issues in that regard with the Promethean Knights, at least the Watchers. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I mean, I'm not too worried about those. The Crawlers are 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 pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's just the big problem is the Knights in general. The, the the Crawlers. I don't. I don't. They don't bother me because they're so easy to deal with. You know, by comparison, um, I don't. When they like get close, them. I, I just. I find. I find. Small crawly enemies that swarm you are always annoying in video games. They're never fun, you know. It's I just I never find them fun to fight, and um, and so 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 I'm I'm not a fan of of the crawlers. You know, I, I think they're sort of like a they just remind me a little too much of Homer Simpson's rant about the dogs with bees in their mouth and when they bark they shoot bees at you. You know, it's a little like really you like okay. you made a. You made a robot dog and you put a gun in its mouth. Seriously, like it's it's they're just a little kind of silly and and annoying, um, but they're easy enough to deal with that that they don't they're not really a problem either for the most part. All right, I like it when they explode. That's one of the things I like when when the <laughs> when you shoot them in the head and they just explode. 
<laughs> well, that's that, kind of cool. That's always a satisfying thing. I mean, that you know the the little flood um, uh, flood form, the little popcorn guys were were fun for the same reason. It was just fun yep. to set off a chain reaction of make a whole bunch of them bur- burst all at once. Yep. Um, let's see. Let's where were we? Okay, I remember where we were. So after you fight the one knight that comes inside to charge you, I think the other knights teleport away. I don't. I think I think you just have to fight the one knight, and then the other ones decide to t- teleport off and get out of there. Um, after At first, that, yes, yeah, the, he's he's accompanied by some crawlers and I think a single watcher. But but well, you, uh, you see some of the other knights pop up. I think after yeah. you defeat that knight that jumps down, the other knights that were up there decide to teleport away. Yeah, they they GTFO. Yep, indeed they do. So you walk through the your the tunnel, and at this point, Cortana's like, uh, I intercepted this data stream, and it's actually, they are referred to as knights. So that's where you figure out that they're actually knights in the campaign, and that they're basically being streamed in from somewhere. They're not spawned in, they're streamed in. <laughs> so after you go through the tunnel, there's a couple, well, as you're going through the tunnel, there's a couple of Promethean crates that you can pick up, I think. The only weapons that are in there, though, are suppressors and bolt shots with a couple of Promethean grenades. I don't think there's any light rifle ammo just yet. Uh, you go through, then you come up to this other open area. There's three knights there. That's kind of another one of those choke points where you go in and then the door closes behind you, I think. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Does it close? Uh... Yeah, you're Yeah, you're locked in there. Is it? Okay. So, yeah, yeah you're locked so. in there. Yeah, that yeah, that's where that's where um, that's one of I started swearing a lot, <laughs> <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> I think uh, I think the first time I played, it, I died maybe two times on heroic. Yeah, if you add a zero to the end of that, that's probably how many times I died. Uh, <laughs> I first played through on legendary. It is yeah, it's brutal. I just and it, of well, course I, like like so like all too often in Halo, it turns out the best way to deal with it is just run right past them all. But yeah, at the time I didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah, well, if you've watched, like, Naked Eli's guides for speedruns through Legendaries, just he's bypassing all these enemies, and it's like, okay, yep. glad you can do that. I'm not that good. <laughs> uh, but there's three Prometheans that you have to fight off, and then you walk a little bit, you come up to this Forerunner landing, and there's actually some light rifles there. If you go to the right, there's a weapon crate full of light rifles that you can use, and then on the left-hand side, there's suppressors and bolt shots with a couple of Promethean grenades. Down below the shelf right there, you're going to have a knight with an accompanied watcher and a couple of crawlers down there. And then on the right wall, you'll have some crawlers that are uh, walking up there. You want to take those out first, and if you, and then you'll have some watchers that will jump up on the platform you're on, and you want to take out those as well. And then that knight I've, I've taken out from a distance with a light rifle. Yeah. Um, and you might want to take out the Watcher first, because if you take out the Knight, it's going to be hard to get that Watcher from a distance before he decides to respawn his fellow Knight. So definitely take out the Watcher first when you take out most of the Crawlers, and then decide to take out the Knight. Yeah, that, that's one of those... The, the interesting thing about the Watchers, as much as I, I really hate their annoying tactic of just flying away all the time, you know, sort of similar to the, uh, to the Knights. They're like, well, we're just going to go somewhere where you can't shoot us. Um, it, it does force you to sort of think a little more tactically about your environment and your line of sight. You know, so one thing that I'll often do is... is you know, if if the watcher is giving me a hard time and there's too much sort of cover around him for me to take him out, I'll I'll 
ping him once just so that he flies away and hope that he leaves long enough for me to deal with the, whatever knights are underneath him. Yep. Uh, at, sometimes I'll go out of my way to take out the knight first because I know that will often force the watcher into trying to resuscitate him to try to you know to to bring him back and yep. that sometimes pulls him out into the open where he's exposed enough that I can unload on him and take him out whereas otherwise he he'd be getting to cover too quickly for me to to nail him so you you kind of just have to you know look at your line of sights look at your surroundings and sort of say okay assuming that this that this watcher tries to escape the moment I hit him do I have enough of a of a of a lead on him to destroy him before he gets behind cover? And if you do, then nail him. If not, sort of maybe maybe ding him anyway just to get him out of your hair, and then assume you're going to have to come back to him later once the other enemies are taken care of. Right. So after you take out that knight and the watcher and the rest of the Prometheans, there, there's actually a terminal there. That's going to be the location of the second domain terminal. So mm-hmm. in the last campaign mission for Requiem, that's our first one. You actually get an achievement for that. This one will help you continue to get all seven uh, domain terminals. That'll get you the big one at the end. So this one is on the ground level before you take the ramp up to the right to go into the next area. So make sure you pick that one up if you haven't already. Uh, the next area, you walk in through another series of Forerunner tunnels, and there's more weapon crates in there that you can pick up. And this is the first three tower parts so if you've played through the campaign then you know that uh, the shield generators are controlled uh, controlled by a spire that's all the way up and that spire of course is protected or the elevator to the spire is protected by a shield and the shield generator is in three different towers so you come in and you will fight covenant in this first set of towers and there's one tower off to your left there's another tower off to your right and then there's another tower all the way in the back left. Yeah. So th- there's the three towers. The order in which you do it doesn't matter too much. I typically do the one that's closest to me first, then the, then go all the way to the back, get the back left one, and then whatever one's remaining, I do that one last. Um, is there a particular order that you do them in? Uh, it depends. Now, if, if I'm remembering correctly, this is the room where the banshees are flying overhead, right? Or am I getting that confused? Is that one later on? I think on? so. Yeah, I think you're right. So yeah. it 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 depends a little bit on it depends on what difficulty I'm playing on, and it depends on whether or not um, I can score a banshee or if I'm running and hiding from the banshees. Because if if I can't get in a banshee, I'll usually head for the the closest bit of cover. Mm-hmm. Which would be the nearest tower, right? Because as long as you're, you know, in those tower structures, the banshees can't really hit you more than, you know, more than a grazing shot once in a while. Actually, so, I take that back. I think the second was the banshee. Yeah, sorry, the, the banshee second one? was the banshee. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My bad. Uh, that being the case, if we're on foot, I, I, no, I don't have a particular order that I prefer to take it in. So are the Prometheans first? I thought. I think the Prometheans are first. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, the Prometheans are yeah. first. Sorry, my bad. No, no, that's good. So yeah, in that case, yeah, this is the one where you start up on a um, on a ledge overlooking the tower area. And you have to drop there's down. A, there's a bunch of watchers, uh, sorry, a bunch of crawlers running around, which you know I I usually like to take out as many as I can with my light rifle. You're not going to have enough ammo to deal with all of them 
but yeah, you know, take out as many as you can. The challenge now is that you then have to drop down and deal with a. Uh, there's a Promethean knight there wielding a scatter shot. Yeah, which that is, one was a pain. Which is why you know, again, another reason why I don't like relying on the suppressor all of the time is because. You know, supp- suppressor versus scatter shot. If you're again, if you're playing on legendary, the scatter shot's going to win. You're just you're not going to be able to take him down as quickly as he will kill you. So, again, you have a little bit of a of a, a decision there to make. You could use up all your ammo trying to take out a whole bunch of the um, of the crawlers from a distance before you drop down, or you can try and stay up on that ledge. And with any luck, you'll be able to use what ammo you have to take out that one. Uh, Promethean Knight, um, but that's very dependent on where exactly in the cover he's standing and how aggressive he decides to be. I mean, I've played through that encounter many, many times, and it, it it turns out a little differently every time. Sometimes he runs out into the open, and I'm able to take him out without too much trouble. And then sometimes he just stays in his hole and hides, and I have to go get him, and it, it gets ugly. So, yeah, I find that if you stay in the tower, like after you take out the power core they usually don't come in so you can kind of re- recover your shields there if you get close to death yep yep that's true and there there is ammo in there as well so that's that can be a good place to, to sort of rush to yeah uh that's been one of those times where i've actually kind of resorted to the bolt shot just to get something off of him before i decide to go kill him yep because they will just kind of of hound around outside the doors until you come out and then they'll shoot the heck out of you yeah. Uh, so actually, the towers are front right, back right, and back left. Um, the the other tower, the second set of towers, is front left, back left, and back right. So I right. usually kind of go. Actually, I kind of loop around to the right and then go corner all the way to the back. Um, and I find most of the time you don't have to take out all the knights, especially the ones that are the two that are near the ramp all the way up to the top, you can usually take out all the barriers and just so you know, you can just punch them. That That's all you need to take out the little energy orbs that are powering the shield. And yeah, I'll take you don't out, want to waste ammo on them at this point. Yeah. So what I do is I kind of take out any of the knights that decide to come charge you and any of the crawlers, and there'll be maybe about two, three callers left, two, maybe one or two watchers and two knights. I'll come around to the side of the tower where I'm not quite seen. Then I'll run and sprint around them and then run up the ramp and then go to one of the sides before I get killed off. And that way I have time to regen my shields and possibly pick up a Promethean grenade, a chunk a few of those so the knights on the next level don't come charging you and then kind of get an upper hand on those as well. Yeah, that works. So after that, you keep on running up the tower. There's uh, one of the knights is a scattershot knight, I believe. And the other one just has a suppressor. Once you get past that one, you're up on the top ramp and you just kind of make a mad dash if you haven't killed off all the Promethean. It's because they will shoot from the bottom. And I've died a few times trying to run across that light bridge at, at yeah, full speed. Yeah. Um, you can kind of use the rings as cover. Depending on where the Prometheans are, they will move around and shoot you. That that can be one of the few times where the knight's tendency to teleport can be used to your advantage because sometimes if you just ping them with a few shots, they'll go into you know defensive maneuvering, which buys you enough time to cross the bridge. So, 
Yeah. Um, was there, I, do we want to cover anything else in this little section? I mean, we kind of covered it briefly. That, and my strategy is just to go to the right. And yeah, that, I mean, that that's tends tends to work. I mean, yeah, well, it's sort of you, you have to take it case by case depending on just what, what ammo you have for which weapons. But, I mean, I tend to do it pretty much the same way you just said more, more often than not. So Okay. So you go across the bridge, then you hit the switch for the elevator. You go up to the top of the elevator, and you hear some more uh, static from Infinity. Uh, I believe at this point you kind of get a vector update from Cortana of the approach vector that Infinity's taken to come into Requiem, and they're still kind of deciding whether or not they want to come in. You go up to the top of the tower, and once you get there, you pull some kind of rod out of something, and then you put you jam it back in, and somehow it destroys the shield, like, yeah. disables it. I'm not exactly sure how that happens, but it, it works. works. <laughs> yeah. So you another portal opens up. You portal back down to the middle part where you first started off, and then Cortana will activate another portal, and you'll go off to the right-hand side instead. So you walk through a cave system, then you drop down, and then this is the big open scene where we have the Covenant fighting the Prometheans. This is the first time we've actually seen that happen. Uh, wasn't there some gameplay footage that was released of this before it came, came out? Like, Not that I saw. Or screenshots, maybe. Could be screenshots, yeah. That would make sense. Because I know something from this level was revealed because it was... Maybe it was screen. Maybe it was just screenshots. I I just remember. I remember there were the screenshots of Chief sort of standing solo and posing for the camera that I remember. But there could have been some action screenshots too that I'm just drawing a blank on. I thought there was a video. I could be wrong though. Anyways, you see the Prometheans fighting the Covenant. Uh, the Covenant are dropping down. The Promethean knights and crawlers and watchers are spawning out of the ground and everything. Or I'm sorry, streaming out of the ground. And at this point, I kind of sit back and relax a little bit, uh, mostly helping out the knights. Uh, the Prometheans, it seems like the Covenant are a little bit more vigilant and can take out the Prometheans a lot better than the Prometheans can take out the Covenant. So I'll usually, if I'm not rushing through for a playthrough, I'll stand back and kind of watch them go at it. The only downside to this whole encounter, though, is that once you pop in, they will shoot you no matter what. Yeah, they like all you, drop what they're doing. and Yeah, they all drop what they're doing, and it's like they totally forget who they were fighting a split second ago, and then they decide, oh, wait a second, player enters, player target, player kill. It's like, yeah. no, 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 no. If you're busy, busy <laughs> fighting something else that you find equally as annoying, you're going to keep on fighting that thing and worrying about the other thing later if it's not shooting at you. It's like, if I'm not shooting at you, and you're more worried about this other thing over here, you should be more worried about that thing over there and not worry about me. At least that's the thing that makes sense to me. Yep, that that does make sense. But uh, then, you know, Chief wouldn't be nearly as busy. So, But, I mean, you could be busy trying to be sneaky and trying to get up there without being shot, right? <laughs> Heck, you have a turret to fight up next. Yep. Um, and the fight that happens all the way over to the right after you get into this area seems to go on forever. I've I've waited out for literally 20 minutes just to see if someone would win. And no one ever wins. It's always two elites <laughs> and a grunt yeah. and a knight and a watcher combo. And no one ever takes the other one out. 
<laughs> so you always have to interrupt that battle because that is literally the only way you can get up to this ramp that goes to the next part is through these two guys. And then, and of course, if you step out, they're both going to turn around and shoot at, shoot at you. So you, you have to take out both sides in order for the fight to completely end. Yeah, they do sort of force you to take action there. So I find it easier to take out the knight first and deal with the covenant just because I'm used to the covenant. I know how they fight and know how to uh, take them out easier. And if you're positioned in such a in a certain way, you can start taking out the knight um, or or the Promethean pair of the knight and the watcher, and actually help out the covenant and take them out before the covenant will c- kind of turn around and shoot you if if you're not in their line of sight. Yeah. And then you can use a couple of grenades to contain the covenant and then use the noob combo or whatever you have and at your disposal to take them out. So after that encounter, you walk up this ramp and there's a knight that kind of gets close to you. There's a scatter shot. No, no, no. Sorry. There's a light rifle that is there that you can use. Um, the knight that's down, that was down before the ramp has a scatter shot, right? I think so. Yes. So I usually go pick that up. And then the knight that comes down and charges, I'll use the scatter shot on that and then whip out the light rifle, like pick up the light rifle ammo that's there behind that one rock. Like once you go up, you'll you'll see the watch respond to the turret. There's I don't think there's a way to stop that from happening. Because it's the no. first time you see it's the first time you see one. I guess it is, isn't it? Yeah. So you I I pull up my light rifle at that point, or get the one that's in front of the rock that's on the left. I'll take out all the watchers first, and then I'll take out that turret. Yeah, um, I tend to I tend to do the same thing because the the watchers are closer to you, and you've got a big rock on your left hand side there, which perfectly blocks the turret's line of fire. So yeah, and the turret's really not not that hard to fight. <clears throat> no, they're just bullet sponges once again, and you just you know hide behind cover while they're shooting, and then pop out and unload on them. Yeah, they're not too bad. They're not too bad. Um, they're, you just, they're more you just an, don't you you just need to be conscientious of where they are so you don't corner yourself in a stupid position where you've got your back to one while you're you know trying to hide from other enemies right so just as long as you know right. where they are and you keep track of them they're real easy to deal with yeah so let's see after that part you kind of cross over into another canyon area and this is probably the coolest part of the mission to be honest um you see two ghosts drive by with elites in them, and then you just see this knight spawn in the middle and just take these out in some kind of ninja-like assassination move. Yeah, it is, it is awesome. And, of course, you have to fight him. So, at this point, you want to sp- sprint all the way over to the knight while he's do- he's in this animation that he can't stop. But you can still damage him while he's doing this. You can take out his shield before he decides to start shooting you and you can kind of get behind him and almost assassinate him. Yep. So I, I personally, I usually have a couple of grenades at this point too. So yeah, um, yeah it, I'll, I'll use those if I have them uh, because he's in a canned animation. It's really easy to predict where he's going to be. So I find the Promethean grenades particularly useful in this situation, you know, where you know exactly where he's going to stand and you know exactly how long he's going to stand there. You just took, chuck a grenade into that one spot and you can do some pretty heavy damage to him with that alone. I just don't know why the other elite was just like, okay, I'm going to keep on boosting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you think if he saw his buddy die, you'd think he'd probably swerve a little bit or... He took driving lessons from Cat. 
<laughs> Clearly. Oh my goodness. Too soon? <laughs> no. No, that was what, five years ago in the Halo Mythos? Yeah, yeah. We're, so we're no, not too soon. Nah. Nah. I think you're I think you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so after that little bit, there's another night that spawns a little bit further down. Um, and you want to use a couple of grenades on him. He'll ha- he'll actually, at least this has happened to me every time I've fought, fought against him. But he'll always teleport to the right, and you can corner him inside this kind of elbow rock area, and you can just spam nades there, and you can take him out pretty easily. Just spam nades and shoot him with light rifles and suppressors, and he he kind of won't really nudge out of that corner too much. I don't know if that's a glitch in that one, or if they intentionally made it to where you can take it out easily. I, I don't know what's going on there yeah there's there's um a few moments in in halo 4 where i feel like the the normal ai routines aren't getting along well with some of the mission scripting and and there's definitely a few a few enemies that i feel like repeat the same action every time you get to that encounter where maybe they they didn't need to so i'm not sure what's going on there yeah next up though is you can grab one of the ghosts that are sitting there and the next part is kind of scattered. There's open areas, there's closed areas, there's rock pillars that are sticking out of the ground. But the next part you have to go through, there's three or four elites with maybe six or seven different uh, grunts, classes of grunts that you need to take out. And I typically just take the ghost and just splatter through as many and try to get to the exit as quickly as possible. Yep. Because... uh um, unless you're on legendary, you'll get through pretty easily. Legendary is the only time where I found I have problems with that. Well, they will actually take me out before I can get through, just because they have so much firepower going behind them. Mm-hmm. So if you have the chance to just kind of boost through and not worry about any of the enemies, definitely take it because it's it's a fight that you can just completely skip over. Um, next up is the next set of three towers that you need to take out, and this is the one with the banshees. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I've had uh, mixed success with hijacking a Banshee in this section on Legendary. If you're on Heroic or under, I'd, I'd say definitely try and grab that very first Banshee. Um, you can get to it by, uh, you know, as the door slides open, you can boost through with your ghost and splatter the elite that's trying to climb in the Banshee. And then you're, you know, you're set to go from there. Um, yeah, I was going to le- say the... The easiest way to grab that first Banshee is to splatter the elite uh, that is running towards it. And you can kind of predict where he's going to go. He will try to evade uh, when you decide to try to boost into him. But you can kind of predict where he's going to go. And you can kind of back off and then he'll start running towards it again. And then you can splatter him. So even if he Even if he does evade, he usually evades out of the way enough that you can grab the Banshee and take off in it. And then circle back and kill him. The trouble is on legendary. I find there's so, so like many the other elites, banshees. There's other banshees, and even even just the elites. Um, the elites don't seem to do enough damage to blow you up in and of themselves, but they hit you often enough that I don't know. No, like you can't. Even if even if they're not really wasting you, there's no way you're going to get your shields to recharge. Right? They're just they're hitting you too often. So. They they make life really difficult there, and then well, the banshees. If you're doing it on legendary, I've I found it just they can take you out so easily just with the other was it two or three banshees that are in yeah. the same area. They yeah. just they they peg you so often. It's 
it seems a lot more difficult in this game than it has been in the past games to fight against enemy Covenant Banshees. Yeah, I say, I say they seem to, I don't know, they just hit you from further away, maybe? So. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely a problem. It's, it's um, I've found it almost nearly impossible to survive with a Banshee on Legendary. Yeah, I've, I've done it once, and it was as much luck as anything else. More often than not, I, I stay on foot uh, on Legendary in this section. The nice thing about Banshee, though, is that if you can get the angle right, you can just Banshee bomb the shield things that you need to take out. Yeah, and then just boost up through to the top part where you need to where you need to be, and hope you don't get shot down. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you know if you're going for speed runs, the Banshee is definitely the way to go in that section. It just tends to be one of the one of the riskier ways to go as well. If you're on foot, though, I find doing the front. Left one, the easiest, because it's all grunts over there. There's no elites. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. And then I'll split between the back two of which one I go to, just based on where enemy movements are going at the, at the time. Yep. So that that one is actually... I, I haven't played this level enough to really deduce which one is more difficult. They both seem kind of... Equally difficult because just the class of enemies that are there. I mean, right. at the first one, you have the Promethean Knights that are just are bullet sponges and just are a pain. And then the second one, you have the Banshees, which are even more fun to play with. <laughs> so in terms of like which one's more difficult, I, I really don't know yet. They're, they're both kind of equally difficult in my opinion, though. The, the second one's more annoying because you have the Banshees. So you're being yeah. shot from... Uh, a third dimension, dimensional direction instead of just two, where you're fighting on a plane on the first one, and then the second one you're being fought on, the, on on ground, then from the air. So yeah, that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> always a good time. Anywho, after you get up the ramp, you can hear that Del Rio is ordering the Infinity to go into Requiem. And, of course, Cortana is trying to transmit out, no, don't do that, don't do that, and she's telling you to hurry up and get to the second pylon. So you take the elevator up, you deactivate the second shield or do the shield jam thing, whatever that is. And then you teleport out to the middle again, and another portal opens up and you teleport into the satellite, which turns out to be a cryptum. Go figure. Mm-hmm. If you read the books, and I read the books before the game, but when I saw that, I'm like, yep, that's a cryptum. Yep. So I think for everyone else, though, they weren't quite sure what that was. And I would think with Cortana, with how much access to, like, Halo databases and everything that she's had, she, she would have thought of something that was odd with it, right? Well, yeah, th- this is Especially where... when she saw Covenant ships coming in, and she even said the line, why would the Covenant be worried about a, a comm satellite? Yeah. This is this is where the game, uh, from a story point of view, starts to get real problematic to me. Um, either because of elements of the story that I feel don't really make as much sense as they should, or they're just maybe communicated poorly. Um, that that's definitely one of those things where I guess I guess we're we're sort of we're getting to the introduction of the didact, but if she knows who the didact is who she clearly does because she says his name, even though the didact himself hasn't said it. How did she not recognize that that was a cryptum? How did she not know that this is, this was going to be trouble? You know, there's just, yeah, uh, too, too many warning signs going off there for, for me to think that she didn't catch on sooner. 
I think there were some, kind of some plot holes, and I think you're alluding to those. Because there was even, I mean, she saw the didact sing- signal when, or the didact sign in the previous level when you were activating the map room, or the yeah. cartographer. It's like she's seen foreigner signs before. She probably would have recognized this one. Maybe not. Maybe not specifically this one, but she would have been able to figure out. Okay, this is obviously a sign for some kind of forerunner, right? You'd think so. Yeah. So, I don't know. I do, from a combat point of view, I do have a lot of fun maybe, in this maybe section. Maybe she hasn't. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe. There, I don't there's know. some. There's it's... some missing plot lines somewhere. It seems. Yeah. Maybe there'll be a book on it. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I. I really. I've really loved Greg Bear's two um, Forerunner novels so far. I'm super excited to see. Yeah, you know, it's, it's you know to read to read the the conclusion to his trilogy. Silent Jim um, coming out March 18th. Yes, or 19th. I'm, One of I'm very, very anxious about it as well, though, because the the handling of the didact is. Um, a huge problem that I have with, in terms of how he was handled in Halo Four, and so, so I mean we, we, we can get to that in a minute. But do we know if this is the okay? Yeah, I'll save it to the end then. Um, so back on tr- okay, yeah, back on track. When you get to the satellite part, you have a Covenant dropship that's coming down, and it'll drop a few grunts. Uh, you can take them out pretty quickly; they're not that hard to fight. There's I think maybe four or five grunts, including one that's shooting from the turret of the Pelican, and then two jackals that drop, two two or three jackals that drop down. Not too hard. At this point, you have a choice of whether you want to go through door number one on the left or door number two on the right. Really doesn't matter. You're going to be fighting the same class of enemies, same encounters, and everything. It's just which way you want to go. It does, really doesn't matter. On your first encounter, you're going to see more Covenant fighting Prometheans. And the path most people take is up to the right where you can get behind the Covenant that are shooting from this kind of raised tower. You can take them out pretty quickly and then you have a good vantage point and fallback positions to fight the Covenant on the left or fight the Covenant in front of you kind of over to the right-hand side. Yep, uh, high, high ground is the way to go. Yep. So I find it... I find it easier just to take the Covenant out, although you're you're going to be ending up with a harder fight against the Prometheans just because the Covenant are closer. If you can find a way to take out the Prometheans first, I find that take uh, that dealing with the Covenant is easier, and the Prometheans in this situation actually take out the Covenant, unlike the previous one. Yeah, they'll take them out real fast if you don't help the Covenant out, actually. Yeah. So, if you have the chance to take out the Prometheans, definitely do that. Because the the Prometheans will take a majority of the Covenant out. And if you're still kind of far enough back to where the Covenant are closer to the Prometheans than you are to the Prometheans, they actually do kind of concentrate, concentrate their fire more on the Covenant than you. So take advantage of that if you can. Um, I find it kind of difficult just with the angles that you get on the Prometheans. That If you're fighting from the ground level uh, and kind of hiding behind those boxes, you'll have some of the Covenant turn around and start shooting you instead. And then when you're in that tower, you just have a better angle on the Covenant there instead of the ones instead of on the Promethean. So it's just it's kind of hard. But if you can manage to pull off finding the Covenants first, definitely do that instead. Once you take them out, you proceed to another room when you'll have light rifle. You have I think all Promethean 
like base weapons like light rifle. Yeah, there's bolt scatter shot, shots. Scatter. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's a scatter shot. I think it's just light rifle, suppressor, and bolt shot with Promethean grenades. Okay. Sure. Pulse grenades. I think I don't think there's a scatter shot there. Uh, so you take the elevator up. And what I do is actually hang back in the room and take enemies out from afar with a light rifle, and then I'll go down, replenish, and then come back up. Yeah, this is another key area where the moment you step through that doorway, it locks behind you. So by staying within the room, you get access to all that ammo in those crates. Yeah, and if you time it right, you can drop down, grab the ammo, then jump up the elevator as it's coming down, then jump back up again before you have to wait for it to come all the way down and then go all the way back up. Yeah, exactly. So there, there is a way to time that. Um, granted, it's it's a little difficult, but you can do it. So take out as many enemies as you can from afar until one side kind of overpowers another, and then kind of charge out the rest of the way. After you take out those, you proceed up these kind of curved ramps, and there's an important key weapon there that you need to pick up. I think it's just a scatter shot. But yeah, that's what I was thinking of. There are scatter shots on that final ramp on the way up. Yeah. So on either side as you go up, there's these weapon crates on the inner sides of the curved ramp. So pick up one of those because you'll want to use those against the elites that are up there. There's one elite that has a fuel rod gun. Uh, Most of the time, it seems like the Covenant will focus on the Prometheans despite despite you being in their kind of line of sight. They'll focus more on getting the Prometheans done first. So take that advantage for them to get some shots on them. It won't be long before they start to turn around and fight you, but you can wait a few seconds, kind of go behind the elites, and then take them out with the sky shot pretty quickly. Pick up the fuel rod that the one elite commander or captain or whatever rank they are, uh, pick that up and then use those against the knights. Um, one of the knights has a binary rifle, so watch out for him because... I, I've been on the bad end of that one plenty of times. <laughs> yep. Likewise. Um, is there an There's not an incineration cannon one, is there? There's a scatter shot one, the binary rifle. I wanted rifle. to say there was, but I could be, I could be misremembering. I it's, thought there it's was possible. I, I, yeah. I don't remember. I know there's a scatter shot one. I know there's a binary rifle one. The binary rifle one's in the back. Yes. I don't remember what that third one was. It, it it could be the incineration cannon one. Actually, I think you're right. I think that I think there is an incineration cannon one. So after you take out those three, you walk up to the pedestals where you're supposed to put your hands, and it goes into the whole cutscene sequence. And this is where we inadvertently unlock the didact because, well, we are reclaimers and we have that special genetic code that activates everything forerunner. And uh, we're what we thought what was a comms satellite turns out to be a giant cryptum. Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> like, man! <laughs> yep. So then there's this whole cutscene of, of the Didact coming out. Everyone stops fighting. The Covenant stop fighting. The Prometheans stop fighting. And you see this old, rickety old kind of thing stand up. And armor starts to come from around him. And uh, he does his kind of spiel into it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever unless you're deeply knowledgeable with the halo uh novels yes uh which is kind of unfortunate yes Uh, this is this is where um one of my fears is that see there's a lot about 
about the didact in Halo 4 that well, makes absolutely no sense whatsoever unless you're familiar with the novels. Unless you read you, the books. Yeah, and if you are familiar with the novels, it's still it's inconsistent with what we know of him in the novels. So part of me is hoping that when the third Greg Bear novel comes out, it will explain this new version of the didact and make sense. But then the other part of me is like, well, then that's 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 even further uh, that's that's furthering the problem that this you know this character just makes absolutely no sense unless you read all the novels, right? Which yeah. is, I think, kind of the wrong way to go here. I think this uh, when he comes out and gives that speech, um, I had a real real moment of frustration with the game where I, it was just so poorly handled. It was just bad. I mean, he is such an amazing character in the books. He is so cool. And I don't feel like they captured any of what makes him so cool in the books. And then just taking taking it in the context of the game itself, it just it doesn't make any sense. It's it's confusing and and you're sitting there going, wait, you know what what the hell is a mantle? What is he talking about? And uh, you know, I I mean, I think about skip if you skip ahead to to the end of the game and and the speech that you hear him deliver during the final cutscene, that makes a much better introduction to who the didact is and what his motivations are and what he wants than than the cutscene that we get of him coming out of the cryptum. So if you look at let me put a different light on it. I, I completely agree with you, but let me kind of put a, throw a different spin on things. The chief doesn't even know who the didact is. Granted not even know what the mantle is. So in a way you're kind of in chief's shoes. You have no idea what's going on. You're being introduced to everything. Granted, the didact knows everything about you, but then again, your your chief, you you have no clue what the heck is going on. Right, except that, and 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 you could you can definitely tell a story that way. You can you can put the player in the lead character's shoes, and if the lead character is clueless and doesn't know what's going on, the player can be along for that ride. Um, I find I, mean, that I don't know usually, if it's rightly executed, but yeah, it, I find that that tactic is very difficult to pull off properly because if the character is supposed to be confused and frustrated and why would you ever want to make the player of a video game confused and frustrated like that that's not fun right that's that's a, a case where storytelling and a fun video game experience kind of butt heads and don't click with each other the other problem is everybody in that scene including cortana acts like they know exactly what's going along it, it makes you feel like like you missed something. Like, hey, did did I somehow skip a level? Was there a cutscene that I accidentally skipped through? Like, I feel like the game is assuming that I know things that I don't know, and uh, and that's a real a real failure in storytelling. I think I, I was um, I, I maybe maybe part of the reason why I was I was so it, it hit me so hard is I guess since three four three took over the Halo franchise. They've put so much effort into coordinating the storytelling across the universe and and coordinating the expanded fiction, and they they seem to care so much about storytelling. They've invested so much in the new facial capture animation systems and things like that. I kind of assumed that the storytelling would be the part they would definitely get right, 
You know, I just sort of thought, oh, there's no way they're going to screw that up. And so I was really, really disappointed with that that aspect of the game when when this sort of happens. And I thought the didact throughout the rest of the game is just poorly handled. He says things to you that make no sense. He says, you know, if uh, if if reason doesn't work with you, then maybe force will. And and you stop and you go, well, wait a minute. When did he try to reason with me? He's done nothing but fight me since he appeared. You know, there's just so many inconsistencies with how he's handled that um yeah that's that's to be honest my greatest my single greatest hope for halo 5 is that they they iron some of that stuff out and they they find a way to take this this character of the didact who has the potential to just be the coolest bad guy and i hope that they realize it because i i think i think he was a wasted opportunity in halo 4 well, and we actually talked about this on our first kind of uh, mythos behind the Halo 4 thing when we were we were supposed to kind of focus on, like, the end of Cortana. We had Goose on. We had, I think, uh, yeah, uh, Grandma and uh, Brian Newman. and mm-hmm. No, actually, Grim wasn't there. So, um, Green Skull and Brian Newman. And it just got to the point where there's so much missing from the campaign if you haven't read the books where you're probably more turned off by it and uh for for Goose and for Brian Newman they they even found that there were parts that they didn't even understand they read the books and i mean yeah. Brian is one of those halo geeks that knows just about everything about the franchise and about the the whole halo universe and to have him confused is just like the Three for three must have not really <laughs> thought something through or, or dropped the ball on some aspect of the campaign that just didn't make sense. So I I hear that a lot and a lot more often now as, as the game's been out and as the time has been given to people to really dive into the fiction of the story that it's just there are certain elements there that are missing. And then, I mean, granted, then there's the whole war games with all the bugs in there. So it, I hear a lot more people saying that this was a good kind of test run for 343 and if if they want the rest of the reclaimer trilogy to be successful they've really got to take the feedback that they have for this game and really turn something around to yeah it's it's tough i mean it's you know frank um frank wrote a really nice little piece in in last week's bulletin yeah i did talking about you know how He's immensely proud of the studio, and and rightfully so. I mean, we uh, Halo fans need to remember that this is. I mean, this is this is a, a brand new team. This is their first game, and it's Halo freaking four. And you know, so from an objective, realistic point of view, they did an awesome job. They did a really great job, and you know, of yeah. course, it's not perfect. And this the, is their first yeah, title, so I mean, we yeah, have to the, give them a little bit of slack. The the problem is, it's Halo. Yeah, it's an established and, franchise. Yeah, and yeah. Halo, it Halo is not just a great game. Halo is for many of us the game. Um, it's the benchmark, and of course, you know we're the hardcore crowd, we're the hardcore community. But Halo has always been the game that you know other shooters are still trying to get the basic mechanics of Halo right. Other shooters are still trying to get the uh, you know the the consistency of the matchmaking right, the the right level of aim assist, the dynamic encounters, and I think the it's you know in a, a sad way it's sort of a no win situation for three four three where like how could they possibly out of the gate be 
better than everything Bungie has ever done, but that's exactly what Halo 4 needed to be to please Halo fans. And, um, I mean, it's the first, in my opinion, it's, I mean, I, and I, I'm coming from the point of view of someone who, I, I really like Halo 4. I think it's a great game. I think there's, there's lots and lots to love in it. Um, I think it is by far the weakest title in the franchise, all in all. And that's, that's tough, right? That's going to be a tough uphill climb for 343 to to come out of the gate with Halo 5 and I think they're an immensely talented group. They've got the size and the budget that they need. Um, it's just a matter of like if they can they can really sort of make everything click and uh, and you know even going back we, we didn't even quite cap off the level here but of course the mission ends with your your ghost escape, right? Yeah, oh yeah. And, we haven't even gotten there yet. And and this you know to me that's that section kind of uh, every everything good and bad about Halo Four from a campaign point of view you can kind of see it in that one little segment there because on the one hand it's clearly them saying you know we're going to remind players of you know a, a, a fantastic one of their fantastic standout moments from a previous Halo game, right? Like you're, you're reliving the Warthog, the Warthog escape at run, the end. Yeah. Um, and so it, it looks spectacular and it's this high energy segment and your adrenaline's pumping and everything's exploding all around you. And yeah, not um, quite. Well, well, it's the thing is it's also, it's too familiar to be as exciting as it should be. And, and it, technically doesn't actually work that well because I don't, I don't know if you've tried to do that segment co-op but it's a nightmare oh, yeah because everything is triggered based on the player who's in the lead so if if you're the second or third player and even if you're 10 feet behind the other ghost it's imp- it's literally impossible to make it through because the ghost in the lead is triggering all these you know exploding walls and floors and so it's it's just like you the know the co-op you can, experience for this was a little shaky it's hit and miss, right? There's certain elements of the game that I think only work in co-op. You know, I think the uh, the mammoth run in the fifth mission is boring as hell when you play it single player, but in co-op, it suddenly it has life and it becomes exciting. But um, you know, it's just you can see three four three, you can see their heart being in the right place there. Uh, but I just, you know, I really want them to learn how to craft their own experiences rather than trying to imitate previous halo experiences especially if they're not going to pull them off quite as well it just makes halo 4 feel like uh, a greatest hits collection that's somehow not as good as the originals you know well it's almost like this was their chance to kind of learn how to, to do things in on their own but doing it with a franchise like halo is just it's something where you take a step back and it's like did you really want to do it with this is this is this really kind of the thing you wanted to start out with and yeah, which is which is part of why I, I you know again yeah. I'll say I, I feel like I feel like we should probably have a show to, a show dedicated to this. Yeah, and, and and it's it's you know it's just one of those things where you know I think it is to a certain degree a no win situation for them, yeah. right? You know, Bungie's first game wasn't as good as Halo Three either. You know, it's so right. It's right. you know it's uh, um, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you you mentioned that the last thing here is the the ghost run and i i think there's 
kind of minim- minimal things to say here. There's there's drops, there's raises, there's grunts to splatter, and then you get to the very end. And it's very Halo Three ODST like when you have when you're uh, jumping off that cliff with the the mongoose. Oh yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention for this mission was the achievement that you can get. The achievements that's specific to this level is this is my rifle, this is my gun for twenty gamer score. And this one is a pain, unless you're playing co-op. There's a cheap way to do it, which is, I'm, I'm afraid to say, I, t- I took the cheap way out with that one. Uh, I'm going to pause real quick. Yep. Can you turn off the AC? <laughs> the air conditioning just decided to turn off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna restart that segment again. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so the last thing I wanted to mention for this mission is the achievement that's specifically associated with this, and it's called "This is my rifle, this is my gun for 20 gamer score." And this one is a pain to do if you're doing solo. It's a little bit easier on co-op, but the objective here is to carry a UNSC weapon all the way through the mission on heroic or harder. This one you pretty much have to do co-op and stand back. Yeah, that's that's how I did it. <laughs> yeah, uh, swap out your assault rifle for a suppressor and then use that it, when you need to. Other than that, you just kind of want to just hang back and hold on to, I guess, your pistol. Um, keep track of the uh, of respawns too. I mean, if you die, you sort of have to be playing with someone who's cooperating with you. And if if you die, you want to make them save and and revert, uh, because if you allow yourself to respawn, you'll respawn without your human weapon. So. Yep. Which would kind of void the attempt at the achievement. Which makes the um the ghost run at the end particularly hellish because <laughs> it's so hard to play at co-op and survive and so you're you're just you know uh saving and and reverting like crazy in that segment i'm trying to remember if i did it co-op or not i did it co-op by myself like i, I plugged in a second controller and so i took took the lead with player two and just allowed my my main profile to hang back so wait please, what about please the ghost don't part? Yeah, that was less easy. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. The ghost, part, the ghost part, I had to take the lead, right? And just allow my second player to die and respawn repeatedly. Oh, I see. Okay, I see, I see what you mean. <laughs> I guess that's one cheap way to do it. Yeah. Hey, okay. you give me a cheap achievement, I'm going to find a cheap way to get it. <laughs> yeah. The midnight one was kind of wonky. I don't remember what that one was. Second mission, make a jump at midnight. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, did you reset your clock for that one? That's no, I didn't. I actually wait to midnight. <laughs> I just set my game, my my Xbox clock. <laughs> I think that's probably what most people ended up doing. So, all right. I think that pretty much covers it for this mission, though. We had a lot to talk about in terms yeah, of. Yeah, that was a, that was a long half hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one's gonna be long, folks. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Uh. I don't know if yours was longer than uh, Final Course Modem or not. I have, I have to see when, when the times are, are done. I'm at about an hour and a half. Yeah, his was about an hour and a half too. About an hour and 20 minutes. So we'll we'll, we'll see. I'll let you know who was the, yeah. the longer one. Um, all good discussions though. We, we kind of dabbed a little bit into the whole uh, 
Halo being a good experience for camping or not. We should really save that for another show, though. Yeah, you could do sort of like a review show where you look at the whole thing holistically. There's a lot of things we can talk about for Halo 4. Yeah. It's, it's, I think we should just take the time between the end of Season 1 for Spartan Ups and then the next map release to just kind of put out these kind of big topic shows because there's a lot of big topics. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, to wrap up the show, thank you, Cruel Legacy, for coming over and talking about uh, Forerunner with us. And, no, uh, thanks for having me on, man. Always a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, you guys are definitely going to hear him a lot more in the coming weeks and months. Uh, we've been talking over Twitter and a couple other places, and we have a couple shows in mind to uh, talk about some things. So you will be hearing him again very soon. Do, do you mind if I throw out a, a, a quick plug real quick, too? Sure. Just for, just for um, I don't have a release date yet, but uh, you know, if anybody out there listens to the Waypoint Community Modcast, you know, we've been a while without releasing an episode. You have and, been a while uh, without releasing an episode. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, we, we actually did record one back in November, and it was a big one. It, we um, had... Uh, it was uh, myself, Grim Brother One, and Vic DeLeon from 343 Industries sat Ooh. down, and we recorded a three-hour episode. And we are still waiting for the episode to get through approval at Microsoft. Oh, <laughs> so. I did the same thing with Kevin <laughs> yeah. Franklin. I did yeah. the same thing. We, uh, I, I, I got the episode submitted to um, to Microsoft just in time for their PR staff to go on vacation. So uh, uh, we're waiting to hear back from that. But I'm hoping to actually have that out real soon. Like maybe within the next week or so, we'll have that out. So uh, if anybody's interested, you just um, you can either either you know, follow me on Twitter because I'll, I'll be mentioning it as soon as we release it. Uh, or you can go to um, waypointmodcast.com. That's where we release the show. And so as soon as it's released, it'll, it'll go live there. So There's a lot of three, four, three people I want to get on the show. Yeah, it's just a matter of time, really. Yeah, it, I mean, it was yeah, it was fantastic. I can't wait to get it out there because Vic is uh, he's a you know a fantastic person to talk to about Halo because he's got so much history with the franchise and um, he's kind of a character too. He is. He he gets even more sidetracked than I do. Oh yeah. So yeah, where, imagine where was it? that. It was at uh, Pax Prime, right? That we met him. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I'm gonna let the listeners go. Thank you guys for yep. listening. And uh, keep an eye out for our next show coming out really soon. 